0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg and today I'm delighted to welcome an author and a consultant from Ohio, USA, Mr. Jake Jacobs. Jake, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm pleased to be here.
0: Thank you. Jake is the founder of Jake Jacobs Consulting, Uh, He has authored and co-authored seven books and clearly he is very passionate about writing. So Jake, today we'll talk about your consulting and we'll talk about your books. Let's start with uh, Jake Jacobs Consulting. Tell me about this venture and the areas that you normally work in.
1: Sure. Um, I I work uh, primarily with what I describe as people leading change work in organizations Mm Who are frustrated that the results that they're achieving mm-hmm. are too slow, uh, too hard, or too often disappointing because they don't achieve uh, the goals that they mm-hmm. set out to achieve. Hmm. So my work uh, cuts across all kinds of industries. I've I've worked in. Uh, Uh, pharmaceuticals, I've Mm -hmm. worked in finance, I've worked in manufacturing, I've worked Mm -hmm. in service industries and retail. um, And also, um, all kinds of organizations in terms of uh, communities and governments Mm -hmm. and corporations around the world. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And you
0: say that you have uh, worked uh, with over 210,000 people in 61 industries. Now that's a huge number of people. How do you manage such amazing diversity of skill sets?
1: Sure, well, uh, what I learned growing up early in my career mm-hmm. came to be known as large group interventions. Mm-hmm. And large group interventions are when you bring together, well, a, 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 as few as 100 or 200, but I've worked with a 1000 people on Mm -hmm. the floor of an arena for three days in a decision Mm -hmm. uh, when they decided on uh, 10 things that they were going to take actions Mm -hmm. to save their business Mm -hmm. and nine months Mm -hmm. from uh, saying that they would like to work together. Mm -hmm. um, They had Tremendous uh, results in terms of their financial uh, uh, results and also level of engagement that people Mm -hmm. have. So Mm -hmm. the large group interventions have exposed me to a lot of people at the same time. And Mm -hmm. then again, uh, I'm I'm not shy to say doing this work for 35 years, Mm -hmm. so that adds up as well, Ash. Okay.
0: Okay. And uh, what have been some of your challenges and some of your learnings as you've built such an amazing consulting organization?
1: Yeah, so I think that the, um, the first challenge um, has been finding the right clients. Mm-hmm. Um, for my work around engaging people and creating their collective future, mm-hmm. um, the clients that I work with are a very select crowd. Mm-hmm. They are people who are motivated mm-hmm. and believe deeply mm-hmm. in their uh, hearts and souls that the best way to accomplish what they set out to accomplish is working through people mm-hmm. and with people, mm-hmm. not having people work for them. Mm-hmm. So, we, First challenge I think is is uh, is finding the right clients and having those clients find you. Mm-hmm. I also think that one of the challenges that I've placed before myself mm-hmm. my entire career, somebody once said to me that I have a relentless dissatisfaction with my current mode of practice. Mm-hmm. So whatever that I'm doing, I'm always looking for better and different ways to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And so learning and ongoing learning, people talk about lifelong learning, Mm -hmm. I am always reading some type of a book or having a conversation with some type of a colleague Mm -hmm. um, around things that I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. So I think the second major challenge has really been one I've placed for myself around Mm -hmm. my learning curve and making sure that it's a steep one, so that I can better serve my clients. And I can better serve their customers. Wonderful. You
0: know, you also say that your promise is to get from point A to point B faster, easier, better than you ever imagined. Help me understand yes. this with uh, some examples.
1: Sure. So, um, the faster, easier, better results is the subtitle for my new book uh, mm-hmm. called Leverage Change. Mm-hmm. And Um, One example I can give you was working with uh, uh, TK Maxx, which Mm -hmm. is a retailer in Europe. um, Mm -hmm. In Europe, Mm -hmm. ahead of competitions, ahead of other um, off-price retailers, they call it. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to establish this new way of working and very rapidly. So in less than a year, they had what they called their same store sales, Mm -hmm. which is in fact, um, a key metric in the retail industry, Mm -hmm. their retail sales uh, had increased 10% year Mm -hmm. over year, Mm -hmm. when we had finished their work in an economy in which their competitors had averaged less than 1% Mm -hmm. per year. Mm -hmm. That's one example. Another one I think is really important, especially given we've all been uh, struggling with the last couple of years, mm-hmm. was being in New York City. Um, this was back all the way into the early 90s. Mm-hmm. There was a pending pandemic around tuberculosis Correct. in New York City. And if they didn't get on top soon enough. They had multi-drug resistant strains, which mm-hmm. meant that people were getting their regular medication and that strain Mm -hmm. would become immune to the antibiotics that they were being given. Mm -hmm. And so very rapidly, we needed to be able to stop this spread of tuberculosis in its tracks. Mm -hmm. And what we did again in less than a year was we got five city agencies to collaborate with each other Mm -hmm. to work together in ways they never had for Mm -hmm. and be able to establish common Mm -hmm. protocol and common protocols so that the um, people who were ill were getting their medication regularly and i'm i'm proud to say that there's been an 85 percent year-over-year decline Mm -hmm. in the incidence of tuberculosis cases in the city of new york Mm -hmm. last year Ash, the number was the lowest number since they started recording these figures in 1897. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of stories, and there are many, many more. But really, the Mm -hmm. question becomes, how do we take these levers or smart Mm -hmm. strategic actions that I've Mm -hmm. written about in my book? Mm -hmm. And how do we apply those in a a wide variety of situations Mm -hmm. to be able to get those faster, easier, better results?
0: Fascinating. So Jake, now let's move to your books. tell me a little bit about uh, your books and then we'll get into some more details about you as an
1: author sure so uh, there's three books that i've uh, solo authored mm-hmm. the first one's called real time strategic change yep. how to involve an entire organization mm-hmm. in fast and far reaching change this uh, book uh, describe the approach and the model of these large group interventions that mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. The second book we wanted to be sort of a back hip pocket book mm-hmm. that uh, managers and leaders could quickly pull out. And it's called You Don't Have to Do It Alone, How mm-hmm. to Involve an Entire Organization in Fast and Far Reaching Change. So mm-hmm. this You Don't Have to Do It Alone is all about people getting things done through people and so in this case there are five steps that we outlined things like how do you know what kind of involvement do you need Mm -hmm. Um, how do you invite people so that they'll want to be involved how do you work with people so they'll want to stay involved Um, these kind of questions which are very basic we said we could write that for everything from a superintendent in a school system Mm -hmm. to a ceo of a fortune 50 company Mm -hmm. and then the latest book that i've written leverage change which is about the faster easier better results Uh, is a distillation of what I think I've learned about organizations and change over the last 35 years. And just to give you an idea, one of the levers or actions that I recommend is called think and act as if the future were now. And what this says is that mostly what we think about at the future is something that will occur at a later point in time. And rather than seeing the future as something that we have to wait for it to unfold. Mm -hmm. What this lever says is that we need to get some image of what that future looks like any image really, Mm -hmm. and be able to start thinking and acting as if that future that we're envisioning is happening right now. How do we change our behavior so that in fact we're not waiting for that future but we're acting on it now. If you want a more participative culture, Mm -hmm. don't put it in as a vision for three years from now. Mm -hmm. Think about what can I do this afternoon that's going to be more participative. Mm -hmm. Don't wait for those big plans to come home and be able to make big changes. Start making any change that you can immediately and you'll find that all of your changes start happening.
0: Fascinating. So let me ask you a few philosophical questions with regard to writing. My first question to you, and this is for the many people who will listen to our conversation. Are authors born or trained? Uh, and this, this is, is very appropriate for you because you've written seven books.
1: Right. This is the nature and nurture question. Yeah. And and I, I, I would say anybody who really wants to write a book that mm. has a message that they want to share with the world is capable of doing so. Mm. Now is that something well, I'm I'm born with this interest in writing and sharing my message. And maybe to some extent true, some people, um, I learn a lot through writing. So the writing teaches me as well as me teaching others. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, if you're interested in doing that in your career, Mm -hmm. then I suppose there's a bit of it that you're born with. Mm -hmm. But then I think Mm -hmm. really, anybody can learn to write Correct. if they're passionate Correct. enough about it. Mm. And there's some level of dedication, some level really of um, forgiveness. Uh, I think it's a forgiveness for yourself. You don't have to worry about getting it right. Mm. I In this book, I actually wrote the leverage change book in, in four months. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the real-time strategic change book in 16 months. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it'll You longer to get that story out. But I found that I've been committed to this since uh, I started. I wrote the very first article for a journal. I was 24 years old. Mm -hmm. So I've always loved the writing. And I would say to your listeners, Mm about then to get started and get started with forgiveness for themselves. They don't have to get it right the first time or mm. the second time or even the third time. But what they need to do is put the time in and get better each time that they work on it. Wonderful. And do you have a fixed schedule when
0: you write or is it whenever you feel like?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, So this last book, I took time off from my practice and I wrote, and I probably wrote from nine until four. And at four o'clock, I have a big black Labrador dog Mm -hmm. whose name is Theo. Mm -hmm. And he's used to going to a great big half mile long field Mm -hmm. and running free in the afternoon. So he's actually in my home office asleep Mm now p.m. where I am yet. Okay. But when that clock rolls around, he comes up and he gives me a look and he starts to nudge me and he knows it's time to go. Absolutely, so I found that around four or five mm. was a great for me to walk. Do some reflecting on the writing that I'd done that day mm-hmm. and what I want to accomplish the next day. So, mm-hmm. I guess, and that's, I did have some routine to my writing, but I think for your listeners, it's really knowing when is it that you feel that you feel like it's a good time for you to sit down and put mm-hmm. thoughts to, to paper or, or fingers to keyboard to mm-hmm. be able to do the right that works for you. Mm. Very interesting. And do you as a writer, face writer's block? Hmm. Well, this last book, Ash, I, I wrote one chapter, in which was remarkable. My life partner, I told this to me and she said to me, well, you're just writing what you know. So why is that special? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, to write a chapter in two days, is the definition of special. Uh, I find that if I am um, stuck in some way and mm-hmm. what I'm trying to write about, I reach out for help. Mm-hmm. So I reach out to colleagues, I reach out to clients, conversations about real work that they're doing in the real world. And that typically unhooks me, that gives me more ideas and more thoughts about what's going to matter to my readers, mm. because these people, my mm. clients, my colleagues, people that they represent, are my readers. And mm-hmm. so I want to these real conversations amid the process has mm. been a really helpful way for mm. me to make sure that I'm writing for them instead of writing for me. Mm.
0: Very interesting. So Jake, I have time for two more questions for you. Uh My next question, is, uh, again, for a lot of young people, what makes a good story?
1: Great. I think an honest, authentic and vulnerable one. Mm-hmm. So there are story, or stories in the leverage change book. Mm-hmm. And these are these are all real story uh, with real people. And so I think that that folks are drawn to the authenticity of the stories that I share. And Mm -hmm. there's sometimes for me, sometimes for the clients, Mm -hmm. but there's a realness Mm -hmm. to the story where people can relate to it. They can say, yes, in fact, I've had the issue. I've had a direct report that's been difficult for me to work with. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how can I help them help me better? are ones that everyday people wrestle with all the time. Mm. And so I think a good story has to be one that's relatable. Mm. It has to be one that people can see themselves mm. and be recognizing that they've had similar issues. That's a story that I'm interested in listening to those are lessons that I'm interested in learning.
0: Mm. Very interesting. And my last question to you, Jake, and again, this is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation based on your amazing journey as a consultant, uh, where you are actually working on faster, easier, better. And uh, based on all your experience and uh, your of writing seven books, what would you say are three lessons you think our viewers and listeners should take away from our conversation?
1: Great. So um, is a main message that's in all of the books, Mm -hmm. it's in all writing, which is, if you want mm-hmm. effective, sustainable change in an mm-hmm. organization, yeah. you must engage people in that organization in creating yeah. their collective future. Yeah. This is not yeah. something that can be dictated. You can't tell people, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how passionate you are as a leader. Mm-hmm. You've got to draw circles that include people mm-hmm. in creating that future. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, where you're passionate. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate in my career, and I found what I wanted to do at a very young age. I was 21 years old for Mm. my first consulting at a bar that I attended at university. Mm. And so finding what you love to do, for me, what makes for a good day at work. When I get up in the morning, I get to get on a podcast like yours and talk about what Mm. I'm passionate about. Mm. And the last thing is to practice. As you get started with the work that you're doing, I think this forgiveness factor is really important, mm. because yeah. this is about an ongoing journey of learning over time. Mm. And so by practicing yeah. my craft, there's uh, uh, uh in, in Blink, there's a, a story that Malcolm Gladwell talks about, where he says that there's 10,000 hours that we have to devote mm. to be able to become an expert mm. in our world truth. I don't know whether 10,000 is the right number yeah, or not, yeah. but I know that you need to step back and really work at what it is that you're trying to get better at mm. and do that every day and in every way and ask people for help help I squeeze a fourth one in which is ask people for help mm. that's what they're their colleagues or mentors or mentees yeah. that you can learn from others and so being open to the possibility mm. but it is that else has to teach you, I'm going to squeeze in as a fourth one. Wonderful, wonderful. Jake, on that note,
0: uh, and the four lessons you've just given to all our viewers and listeners. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about your amazing journey uh, as a consultant, where you talk about faster, easier, better. Thank you for talking to me about your books, and I can see your books behind you, Uh, real time strategic change and leverage change, I can see them behind you. Uh, Thank you for speaking to me about what goes into uh, making a good author and what goes into writing a good story, as well as your own schedule. Finally, thank you for speaking to me again, and good luck to you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a delight to join you. And uh, and I think what you've created with your listeners and your podcast is, is something to be admired. So I consider it a great gift to join you in this journey.
0: Thank you so much.